So there's a few questions kind of chewing around, nibbling around the concept of in- interconnectedness, separation interconnectedness. Yeah. I think of it more like a sort of dysfunction and um, co-arising or, or interdependency. So simple examples, person says, I get how we are reliant on each other and breathe the same air, but we're still separate. If I break my leg, it's my leg, not anyone else's. Mm. How relationships with their appropriate boundaries sit within notions of being one with the earth. So how does this interconnected? So I don't want to be connected to a crocodile, thank you. I'd like to be sort of separate from it. <laughs> Sounds quite healthy to me. Um, yeah, it's a slightly different point of view because interconnectedness assumes, say, two separate entities are being connected. When actually the understanding is more like there's no separate entities anyway. Um, you know, there are localized effects. For example, as you said, you know, the crocodile and I are breathing the same air, but also, you know, Oh, you know, a biological level, we've begun to recognize that all the biota on the planet actually support the air and, and the proper, you know, functioning of the planet is supported by the creatures on it. So they don't decide to do it. They are, they are participating members of that experience. They have no choice in the matter. You know, but still, you know, you say, deer doesn't really connect to a wolf as a separate entity, but there's a level of separation there's a level of non-separation. So the level of non-separation is we share that we share the same air. Mm. Now, if you look at it even more subtly, say, so, yeah, it's my leg and I broke my leg, I would sort of challenge that. Um, I understand what you're saying, but is it your leg? Did you make it? Did you decide what shape you'd have it? Um, uh, yeah. And did you break it? Did you say, get one day say, okay, I'll go and break my leg and or what you call your leg and I suppose it's the piece between your foot and your hip that aspect of the body was generated through earth water warmth food mm-hmm. right? it wasn't generated by you it was generated by that and by the absence of um, fire for example so it's a dependently arisen uh, phenomenon your leg and so it's it's bound up with the dependently arising forces of nature. Now, when you say, you know, it's my leg, not anyone else's, I don't even think it's your leg. <laughs> it's a leg. It's, you know, you, as I say, you didn't create it. Um, you didn't own it. Um, it was dependent upon all these elements coming together. It's non-breaking. It's dependent upon having firm ground beneath it, balance, no accidents. If those conditions don't apply, it breaks. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, its functioning is dependent upon supportive conditions. It's arising is dependent upon supportive conditions. And at some time or another, it will decay when certain conditions are removed. Mm-hmm. So it's a condition quality. It's a condition phenomenon operating in a connected to the conditioned elements that operate on this planet on that level 
Mm. Now, so we look also at the sense of the separate self as a, as a located being, a separate self as a psychological entity, right? Not the biological, but as a psychological entity, depends upon thoughts, emotions, um, moods, um, past karma. Things that have happened to this being have made it this way. The love or the abuse of others has formulated this entity, this separate, this this self. Mm. Desire, fear, mm. joy, good karma, bad karma. It rises dependent on that. One is not separated from those. And these forces say um, love, joy, pain, are they exclusively yours? What do they have to everybody? Don't they have everybody in different different modes? Doesn't everybody experience cause and effect, the results of what's happened to them? Surely they do. So they arise from the same causal web. In that way, there's, as the... <laughs> as the penetration of the sense of the separate identity, because it's actually not a separate identity, sometimes you wish you could be separated from the things that happened to you, and you could retain the good things that happened to you, but you, the results still echo. So in that sense of separation, which is a fallacy, dissolves, then the chitta, the awareness that's kind of sensing all these phenomena is relieved from that cramp and it opens and then we see oh just like me she gets angry oh just like me you know he, he's afflicted oh just like me she experiences joy oh just like me you know just like me if they've been kicked they get angry you know or even just that those actions that they've done terrible as they were came because of causes and conditions so it's leading to a much more you know, compassionate and exclusive mentality and attitude. So within that, we realize that one of the forces that is necessary in this dependently arising phenomenon is a quality called um, careful attention. Um, so that uh, the forces of exclusivity and don't take over. The forces of exclusivity will tend to locate us as separate entities. When that, that occurs, when those forces occur, it's liable that stereotyping, blaming, accusing occurs. So therefore, we need to moderate those energies. So boundaries are needed. Certainly for our hunts, perhaps they don't need boundaries. If everybody's totally clean and pure, fine. But if they're not, then one of the things that arises to moderate this this codependent domain is wisdom. And part of the wisdom is to know this is where things get shaky. This is where things get dangerous. This is where, you know, I, I get swept up by impulses. Therefore, I create certain no boundaries. I don't do this. I don't I don't support that. I don't follow that. And if those are clearly established, not purely on egotistical basis, but on wisdom domain. This is where beings get swept away. If I hit that gin, you know, if I get into that bottle of whiskey, uh, I'm not really going to be in a good shape. So there's a no boundary there. But it's not because I'm ashamed and disgusted, because I value. So the no, no boundary creates an enormous yes potential. 
Yeah. Because I am, you know, I wish to be lift, uh, rise from these dependently arising unskillful states because they dependently arise too. And so similarly, as we, we say also that, you know, I'm potentially a violent creature. I'm a human being. Human beings need to, so let's create some boundaries to, to stop that. So it's really recognizing, you know, the potentials in the, in the causal field from which we all arise. You know, violence, jealousy, deceit are potential toxins and dysfunctions in this field. Then I maintain boundaries so that my behavior is monitored carefully and also the behaviors of others is something I'm, I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So it's, it's a recognition of, um, we are connected. That's why we need, that's why we need these safeguards because we can affect each other deeply and with scarring or uplifting results. Somebody says, I heard me comment that Chitta doesn't fit in this world. Might you say more about this? Well, my Chitta means heart or awareness, the, the, the fundamental core of um, our being affected and responding and sensing on a quick heart level. You know, a sense where values arise, where peace is found, where uh, gets afflicted with rage or fear. It's the, the central, we call it me, my am, but of course it's not an entity because it's changing all the time. It's not a person. Okay, so doesn't really fit in this world. Well, yeah, that's that's why awakening is necessary, because the jitta never feels in this sensory world. It never feels completely settled and safe and comfortable. It's always oh, that's nice, but oh, that's great, but oh, it changed. Oh dear, to put up with that. Yeah. So as you open your heart to the world, you you're aware of the the disconnects occur within that. And um, because of the hypnotic nature of the sensory domain, we tend to believe and keep returning to that as our home base within the sensory domain. It looks pretty much like, you know, I ended up on this shape, <laughs> located in some place. That's what it looks like. Uh, the outside. But when you come into your own awareness, as you meditate, what place? Warmth, pressure, movements, energies. There's no geography around that. Mm. So this jitter really doesn't fit within that frame of reference but that frame of reference the physicality the sense realm can can be known by the chitta the chitta can oh that's that experience the sensory realm i can notice that the the benefits the disadvantages are aware of the dangers of that so chitta can be bigger than that and it's said of of the buddha he dwelt with unrestricted chitta 
unrestricted by form, consciousness, feeling, perception, conditioning forces and consciousness, unrestricted by defilement, suffering, aging, sickness and death. So that's the big one. But certainly aware of them, absolutely aware of them, but not within them, but bigger than them. And so that sense of the chitta doesn't fit within the world. The world fits within or forms or is seen within the awakened chitta. Someone like to advise about dealing with the pain regarding the destruction of the climate, the suffering caused by this to so many humans and the extinction of not so many beloved species. How do you deal with the pain of that? Well, something I'm going to say that is probably a bit strange, but not seemingly dismissive, but pain is not a problem pain is a symptom and we want to maybe want to deal with the pain is one way of putting it but it is painful Um, it's deeply painful what one can a good amount of experience is painful or disagreeable at least a third of it, if you look at it statistically. Uh, most of it's psychological. So we experience a sense of fear. If you look at what the pain is, maybe fear, rage, grief, these are pretty uh, understandable emotions that can arise when you contemplate you know, the, the destruction of the environment. Fear, grief, rage, hopelessness, helplessness. None of these experiences we relish, they're all disagreeable. You can't say, well, let's have an agreeable. That is disagreeable. Um, It's not going to be agreeable. So what do you do with the fear? What do you do with the rage? What do you do with the grief? What do you do with the impotence? Feeling hopeless and stuck in it. Mm. That's more the question. And life will continue to be painful and uncomfortable. We'll have that element in it. Um, so, you know, as as I say, on this level, I mean, sure, you do what you can, try to vote, because basically, you know, uh, see the the uh, results on that level really depend upon, you know, international governments who are unfortunately stitched into the global economy, which is a considerable um, factor in, in in climate destruction, in habitat destruction, is the global economy. And most governments are stitched into it to some degree or another. And their aim is basically to maintain, government is basically about maintaining a status, stability. They don't want chaos, they want order. So it tends to go along with the old structured routes. And at what point those that structure becomes apparently redundant is indeterminate. I think it's becoming clear. And in the meantime, you know, people are just getting together and doing stuff like because they've given up on going through the those channels and start creating their own eco, eco groups and, you know, welfare groups and 
Greenpeace and stuff like that just because they fight for these guys they can reign forever and protest groups and so that's kind of what people do on, on that level and maybe there is a tipping point it would be agreeable to consider so but meanwhile we deal with our fear grief and rage or impotence and essentially is that's 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 internal that's what that's internal that's your responsibility immediate responsibility so it doesn't mean not having it it means spanning it with your awareness and integrating it what i mean integrating it I mean, the fear, as you get used to it, as you span it with awareness, and you stop, how do I get out of it? Whose fault is it? Why I don't want to be this way? It begins to change into something called like alertness, aware, attentiveness, insecurity, the wisdom of insecurity. You know, every moment counts. You don't distract. It makes you very attentive. The grief makes you compassionate. The rage makes you strong, determined. So these these qualities will transmute if you span them with your awareness, not suppress them or they don't feel good. Of course they don't feel good. But you've got to be able to live and span uncomfortable feelings. Because it's happening on every level, uncomfortable, disagreeable feeling, meeting the consequences of greed, hatred, delusion isn't a gratifying experience, even if you haven't done them, it's still disagreeable, it's shocking, it's horrifying, it's ghastly, it's toxic, so it's not going to be pleasant. But then you know, you've got to get past that to do you want truth? And spanning that is a possibility that out of that you could distill attentiveness, alertness, compassion, um, resolution. Then maybe skillful action will arise out of that rather than impotence. Because the one you want to avoid most of all is impotence or, or denial or distraction. Or you shut thing down the other way it doesn't matter you know? so that's you want to avoid that one and it means handling what arises with a opened and and um stable chitta and this is where meditation comes in it's not going to make things pleasant but it can give you the stability the inner inner innate stability to open to the disagreeable and see what arises from there so experiences someone experiences fear when letting go i'm not sure what the cause of this is well insecurity i'd imagine mm-hmm. let go of what if there's something you felt bonded to, then dropping it is going to give us a certain dislocation, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's, it's kind of innate. If we have oriented around a set of 
people and situations and that has to change then it's going oh rockiness mm. if we oriented around say having things run the way i want them to and that gets challenged and changes i get quite rocky and may get quite upset mm. if it means i've got to you know drop some of my you know comfort pleasures comfort experiences they, oh you know there's that ripple effect and there's a sense of loss so that from that insecurity arises this resonance of of uh, anxiety I'll not be whole you know something that was part of me has been separated from me therefore I'm frightened I'm insecure this is why of course the aim is to really center on that which will never leave you your awareness and through a graduated process then there's, there's no fear in that even when the loved passes away we don't say we enjoy it or relish it but there's a place where it doesn't knock you off balance you can accommodate the losses which must be must be a really important thing to learn in life since a lot of losses will occur inevitable so better to know nothing belongs and release than have it proved <laughs> someone says i just did you mention the energy of the body was different from sensations it seems to me that we know there is a body because of sensation even when we expand our attention to the whole and lessen the focus on the parts what is this body awareness if not sensation well you can certainly you can know the body of sensation that's one body you can know that one you can know the body that you see the visual body i see this thing you can know the conceptual body i am a 45 year old something or the other um, these are all different bodies you can open one up and see the anatomical body and the feeling body the sensation body is certainly one of the bodies that you can experience um, so i'm not denying that but you can also experience the body of energy one way in which you would have access to the for example is you stand and sometimes we do when we do standing meditation you stand and you come into balance experience of balance so you can feel the sensations in your feet your legs shoulders and you begin to relax those and the experience of balance itself is not a sensation it's like a certain poised alert relief from sensation because the sensations of the muscles holding have diminished and you can feel a sense of a light balanced poise and you feel vitality within that now when we get um, shocked so you hear a loud crash and your body jumps 
no sensation has triggered that, is it? The body heard a loud crash and it jumped. Didn't jumping take some energy? Must have done that. Something happened. Energy happened. You jumped. Not because of sensation. Maybe even if it was a loud bang, for that second, when you heard the loud bang, you were so shocked you didn't even feel any sensation. You just jumped. You weren't aware of your physical body. Just the shock of your nervous system jumping. Right? When you experience something like um, being blamed, being accused and blamed, and your body, you feel a sense of cowering and shrinking in your body, energy is, is contracting. When you feel angry, you feel heated up, you know about sensation. And it's not just mental. You can feel your whole body charged with anger. And there's an energy, there's a bright energy, vigorous, intense energy. That's, that's energy. That's called Kaya Sankara in Buddhism, bodily conditioning force or the bodily energy. And it's important because this is directly connected to emotion and heart, whereas sensations aren't. Sensations aren't really that relevant um, to um, meditation, although you can make them relevant where they're pretty uncomfortable if you do. But when we look at the point of the tracking the Kaya Sankara or bodily energy formation, is it, it mirrors the emotional qualities. If you're calm, your body energy feels nice and bright and open and steady. You know, if you're tense, constrictions, feeling passion, churning. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm putting it very simplistically, if you can moderate and steady your body energy, your heart energy also moderates and steadies. This is the logic of meditation. It's not based upon sensations. And if you review something like mindfulness of breathing, you won't see any mention of sensations in that. You'll see mention of of um, aware of breathing and then aware of kaya sankara and calming the kaya sankara. No sensations. No nose, no abdomen, no focusing on a point on your body, not there. What is there is the experience of the prana, the energy life force moving, shifting in this tidal way. And you, you contact to calm, you're agitated or you're constricted or you're dull condition, energy condition. If you alleviate that from your body, your heart brightens up. Therefore, you enter something called rapture, uplift. Through, through tackling and soothing the bodily energy. I'll just touch into person living where divisiveness is escalating on issues of mask wearing, vaccines, politics and racism. Apart from personal practice, what can I realistically do to heal the ruptures of separation? Well, there is practice. And um, you start healing it intimately where you feel the feeling of dismay and and um, this occurring. Um, because all, all of these problems have arise because of a fractured social fabric in which fracturing is seen as a sign of authenticity and independence, my rights to be different.
So you've got a really uh, unfortunate collective model of the rights of the individual. Um, and uh, if that, that's exacerbated, then you get these um, very divisive behaviours. Mm. And so yeah, it's tricky to, to deal with because you're dealing with a collective mind and you can only be one aspect of that. So I don't really have an immediate answer to that because it's the long process as anybody who deals with these social issues will testify where you've got to find people who have to find a common ground. If they just play football together uh, or um, you know, have a meal together or something, doesn't touch into these divisive places these divisive topics and people just get to be with each other you know if there's a fire blazing you don't care people with the ideas of whether vaccinated or not you just go and help each other and so you know you've got to touch the common ground and that can be tricky um to to accomplish but um essentially you know we to hold faith in human, you know, there's a sickness in our human condition, and somewhere in there is the health of the human condition. I'm sure a lot of those people wearing masks love their children, love something, <laughs> or people are not wearing masks. <laughs> what do you do with a mask? Half a mask, all mask, no mask. I'm sure people have got some goodness in there somewhere. It's a matter of, uh, you know, kind of finding that. And where there's sympathy, and I think with divisiveness, it's no point in taking an opposite stand. I think all one could say is, the divisiveness hurts me. Really, you know, whether you do or don't, but the the divisiveness and the various degrees of rage and accusation I find doesn't bring out the best in me. Doesn't bring about the best in you. I'm sure we can be we can be bigger than that. We are bigger than that. And so you've got to go to the common ground beneath these topics, which sometimes can be difficult. People so identify and because of the, the reduction of the social fabric, the common ground. Well, I think we'll pause there um, it's good there are more questions and more topics and perhaps what I'm reading will also help me to steer my talks and perhaps it's a good idea to spend some time silently um, you know, drinking in uh, looking at things like sensation, body energy, heart um, relationship uh, clinging, non-clinging, mm, fear, instincts, yeah. and um, you know, spanning the, the cosmos that arises for you. <laughs>